Welcome to the Find Your Best Future podcast. This is the podcast that helps international families make great decisions when it comes to university courses. Coming up in this episode, we'll be taking a detailed look at university application deadlines and what you need to do to ensure successful application planning. So let's get started. Hi there, Jeremy. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you, Neil? Yeah, I'm good, actually. Uh, feeling a bit sleepy this morning, so if I'm a bit uh, um, slow, you know why. Uh, but it's your afternoon, isn't it? Evening. Yes, I mean, it's about uh, six o'clock in the evening here, so I've already done a whole day's work. But don't worry, I, I am really rearing to go. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. And how's Vienna doing? Uh, Vienna's beautiful as ever. Beautiful weather, about 25 degrees today. People sitting out in pavement cafes, just not too, bad. not too bad at Not all. too bad at all. In fact, that's where I'm going to be tomorrow. I'm going to go, actually going to go out and have dinner um, at the, the sailing club, which is down on the edge oh. of the Alt- Alta Dona, which is like a sort of lake here within the city limits of Vienna. I think uh, this podcast is turning out to be a sort of advert for the uh, Vienna <laughs> Tourism Board. Um, uh, I'll let everyone know we're not being paid for this, uh, but Vienna <laughs> is an exceptionally gorgeous uh, place to live. You're a very lucky man. Um, here in Vancouver, not too bad. It's, it's grey today. It's clouded over. I'm looking out the window. Um, but uh, also not too bad in uh, North Vancouver. We're very lucky people. What are we going to be talking about today, Jeremy? Well, today we're going to be talking about deadlines and the importance thereof. <laughs> and they really are important, aren't they? They are indeed. They're the be-all and end-all, really, of uh, college applications, uh, with the indeed. emphasis on the end-all, if you don't make the deadlines. <laughs> and, you know, students every year miss deadlines for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, they make assumptions, they don't read carefully enough. And we'll be drilling into... Uh, uh, deadlines. First of all, we'll be taking a look at deadlines in general. And then in section two of the podcast, we'll be looking at it from country country to country perspective, really looking at um, uh, making sure that you're in a good place to um, uh, uh, meet all the deadlines and make sure that you're well prepared. So let's get started. So what are deadlines and why are they important? Well, um, deadlines are, are things that students, of course, are aware of, um, but sometimes they, they don't really fully grasp the, uh, the significance or importance of deadlines. For example, um, students in school can often go along to a teacher and say, oh, please, please, can I just have a couple of extra days to finish off my assignments? And some teachers are really nice and they'll stretch the deadlines, but universities won't. And I think students listening to this podcast need to understand that they are one of a very large number of people applying to university. So you basically become a number in the system. And when you get round to the deadline, the application software cuts off and that's that. Um, But you really need to get to grips with the deadlines and please, please don't leave things to the last minute. Okay, and and you mentioned the software. Uh, uh, I personally have seen uh, students um, believing that, that every time zone is their time zone. Um, uh, the, the software cuts off but usually at midnight in the time zone of the university, not in your particular time zone. And uh, uh, I think that's an also important thing to add in there practically. Have you had that experience at all? 
Oh, yes. Um, I think over the years I've been doing this job, I've seen almost every permutation of um, misunderstandings, shall we say, about how deadlines actually work. It is important to realize that um, if you're applying to a British university, then the deadline will be uh, designated uh, on the British time zone, for example. Sure, indeed. So when should students start this uh, college-university application process? Well, I think that the place to start really is at the end, i.e. the deadline, and then work back from there. Um, That way, you will understand what needs to be done and when it needs to be done, and thus allow yourself enough time to complete all the various tasks that comprise a university or college application. But please, as I mentioned, don't leave it to the last minute because things can go wrong. And students often tell me after they finish their university and college applications that it's taken them a lot more time than they anticipated. It is, after all, their first attempt at doing this, and they grossly underestimate how much time it all takes. So the answer, of course, is start early. And what does start early in general terms? I mean, I know that each country is different, but what what would you recommend as a sort of uh, benchmark uh, in terms of when they should be thinking about starting this process? Well, a lot of schools actually set internal deadlines, which are perhaps several weeks before the actual university right. deadline. I, I know I do this because I want to sort of push the process forward and leave that window of time between our internal school deadlines and the actual university deadline. But to answer your question more directly, um, of course, different universities, different countries, different deadlines. I think it's a good idea for you as a student to have a look at these deadlines while you're still in, in grade 11. So right. Because you'll be, doing, you'll be doing the applications in grade 12. Most of them take place during that first semester. So you, you need to enter grade 12 being completely prepared and knowing when your deadlines are. Right, so start thinking about it at sort of middle end of uh, grade 11 um, and be aware of what's going to come up and then be prepared uh, uh, for the beginning of grade 12. So how should students actually practically go about preparing a timeline to make sure that they're organized uh, around this uh, process? Well, most students nowadays use some form of electronic calendar, uh, or maybe they prefer to have a spreadsheet. Uh, But really, whatever works for you, the individual student, what you need to do, of course, is to go on the internet and have a look at the various deadlines from different universities you'll be applying to. A lot of students naturally apply to more than one country. And that immediately flags up the fact that there are going to be multiple deadlines. Some countries have a a fairly unified system with perhaps just one overall deadline. Other countries leave it down to the individual universities to uh, pick their own deadlines. Uh, But really, your task as a student is to get in there, find out when the deadlines are, enter them into a calendar or spreadsheet, and then allow yourself enough time to complete all the tasks because you won't only be doing university applications, you'll have a lot of deadlines for um, assignments that need to be turned in to your teachers. So you're going to have to combine them all into hopefully to one easy to use calendar or spreadsheet. And again, going back, you should start that process in grade 11, not not uh, yeah, yeah. in grade 12. Um, 
um, you know, the planning process needs to be done up front so that you have a good idea uh, of what you're going to be uh, confronted with. Absolutely. The early bird catches the worm and uh, planning uh, ahead of time is always a good idea because students often find that last year in school quite stressful with all the assignments and things they have to uh, complete and then, of course, um, exams looming. So I think if you can take the pressure off yourself a little bit by doing more in grade 11 and getting everything sort of sorted out so you're quite clear in your mind what you need to be doing and when you need to do it. And that naturally right. includes university deadlines. It does indeed. Jeremy, the devil's always in the detail here. And um, what should students really be taking uh, particle attention to when, they, when, they're, when they're doing this? What should they really be looking for? Well, in the first instance, uh, students will, of course, look at the application deadline. You know, to, to turn the, the paperwork in, so to speak, or upload it. Um, but there are, of course, other deadlines involved in applying to university. Um, there may be a deadline for a particular test or exam that you have to register for. Um, there could also be deadlines for um, accepting your offer. For example, if a university offers you a place, they, they may um, say to you, please confirm within two weeks or one month. Otherwise, you'll lose that place. And so there are a series of steps you're going to have to take even after you've met that application deadline and turned in your application. Um, things like deadlines for housing. Uh, maybe you have a deadline to apply for a visa. There's actually quite a lot going on here in addition right. to the basic application deadline. So you have the moment of application and then in front of that, you could have deadlines related to, for example, the SAT tests uh, mm -hmm. that you need to do, or, or the, of course, the preparation of the documentation. And then after that, there are a range of, uh, of deadlines that, that come subsequently. Yes, indeed. I mean, for example, if you're applying to the UK through the, the system known as UCAS, um, at some point in time, you're going to have to um, reduce your five offers down to two. And if you fail to do that, then unfortunately, the software will just cancel them all. So this mm -hmm. is just another deadline that you have to be aware of. If you're Indeed. applying to the United States, May the 1st is Canada's reply deadline. And so you would have to confirm your place at the college of your choice by May the 1st. And yeah, we'll actually, be coming back around uh, mm. to that uh, in detail later when we look at the um, specific uh, country um, later on in the podcast. In general terms, is there anything else that, that, that parents or, or students need to think about around this deadline process? So we have, make sure you're thinking about it in advance, put it on some sort of timeline, timetable, calendar, um, and be aware that it isn't just one deadline, that there are uh, other deadlines associated with the major deadline. Is there anything else that people should should uh, bear in mind through this process? I think you probably covered the, the, the major deadlines there in, in your summary. Uh, but as I said, the, the important thing is to get started early with this, understand how the timeline pans out into the future. And as we've mentioned just now, um, what the deadlines are going to be after you've submitted your application. Don't think you've just finished as soon as you send the application in, because there's actually quite a lot more to this. Great, so let's now move on to a country by country approach. Uh, and we'll kick off with the UK. 
So we're in the UK. Um, can you give us a sort of really detailed picture of, of um, uh, the timeline expectations of, of uh, universities in the UK? Well, Neil, you've actually uh, started off with probably the easiest one of them all to manage in terms of, of the different countries and the systems they operate. The UK has a centralized system. It's called UCAS, University Colleges Application Service. And there are really two deadlines two different groups of students. There are those that are called early UCAS, and these comprise students applying to all subjects at Oxford or Cambridge universities, and students applying to medicine programs at all British universities. So this group is called early UCAS, and they have a deadline of October the 15th. Now the other group, everyone else, um, will have a January deadline for about as long as I can remember, it was always January the 15th. But the last couple of years, they've shifted this deadline around a bit to the 26th of January, the 25th of January. So whichever year you're applying in, uh, you need to obviously go and take a look at that. So, so those just, are for, the... just for clarity, Jeremy, before we... Yeah. All universities in the UK, just one system, one platform, and that includes Scotland right. and Wales, um, uh, yeah. uh, the whole lot. That's incredibly yes. simple, isn't it? It is, actually. And it's, uh, it's a very nice system because uh, you, as a student, can track your progress through the system and the college counsellor in your school can also track the progress. Oh. So if there are any problems, it's quite easy to see what they are. They're all flagged up for you in the software, uh, but hopefully it will all run smoothly. So let's assume then that, that you have turned in your applications um, for let's say Oxford or Cambridge University. So, sorry, can, so, I, can I interrupt you yeah. again? Um, Certainly. What, what kind of things are we, are we submitting here? What, what, what does it entail? Well, you have to um, use this sort of um, application software. So you basically, you do some form filling and you uh, list the five, up to maximum of five uh, courses, which normally means five universities. And then you have to write a personal statement, which oh. goes onto the application and your teacher or college counselor will attach a reference and some predicted grades. That's it. And then it just okay. goes off to UCAS and UCAS will send it out to the universities and they will process it. Um, however, if you have applied during that group I called early UCAS, uh, if you've applied to Oxford or Cambridge, you, you can't do both by the way, then you will have to almost certainly have to take an extra test or exam. And these exams or tests take place late October, early November, and you will have to register for those tests ahead of time. Obviously, you can see the deadlines on the internet because they do vary a bit subject to subject. So and, and what do those you... tests entail? Are they, are they online um, multiple choice or are they uh, an interview or what is that? No, um, unlike uh, the SAT, which is very much a, a multiple choice test, these are subject-specific tests, um, and you will have to go well, and sit down in a room and do the test. Although for the last two years, COVID time, um, some of these tests have actually been conducted online. But I've noticed this year we are going to go back to actually a mixture um, partly face-to-face -face and partly online, depending on the university, depending on the subjects. 
Okay. So those are the tests for Oxford and or Cambridge universities. Um, if you're applying to medicine, that's the other category in this early UCAS, you will you may be taking another test. Um, it's called BMAT. And this test is an entry test to about half a dozen of Britain's medical universities. Oh. And again, it's the same process. You'd probably be sitting in the same room at the same time as the Oxford and Cambridge um, applicants. So those, of course, are deadlines that you're going to have to follow. Um, looking ahead a little bit beyond that, um, if you are in the sort of the, the general UCAS section, which is probably about 80 to 90 percent of applications, sure. you're, so you're just applying to a course at a British university, then your deadline will be really when you have to decide which of the two um, offers you're going to accept. And, and that's assuming that others. you're going to get offers. Uh, do students well, generally <laughs> get offers? How does that work? Well, it, it works in the following way that um, you can go onto a university website and you can see what their admissions requirements are. So if we talk in, in IB terms, if you look at uh, someone like King's College London, the law that will quote you 35.766 in the higher levels. Now, if you have been predicted 35.766 or higher, then there's every chance you'll be made an offer. Ah. If, however, you've only been predicted 25, and some people still try and apply, then those are the people that don't get offers. Okay, so we, you, you imagine that students are, have, have pitched themselves appropriately at the, yes. at the appropriate level, and they've got three, four, maybe even five offers, um, then, then they have to filter that down to two, is that right? That's correct, and but they're not required to do that until all of the universities have replied. Remember, this is a centralized system, and the students are logged into something called UCAS Track, and they okay. can track their progress through the system, and that's where the universities will upload these offers. And when right. all five have replied, then the students will see their own personalized deadline um, by which they have to uh, pick their firm and insurance choices or their, their two choices okay. that they want to go forward with and the rest get deleted. Right, understood. And and then from there onwards, um, what are the, the then the upcoming deadlines? Well, these, these offers that uh, we've just been talking about are almost always conditional offers. So right. the university will say to a student, we'll give you a place on this course if you get X number of points. So the student just has to wait until his or her exam results are published. And if they've ma made the conditions of the offer, yeah, stressful day. Yeah. <laughs> if they've made the conditions of the offer, then they're in. And if they haven't, well, then they haven't got a, a place. However, okay. all is not lost because there is a process called clearing. And Wigsbury has uh, made a very good unit on this, which explains how to approach and how to use clearing. But it's, it's in Wigsbury, yeah. and com complicated. It's in Wigsbury, it yes. And we'll probably yeah. make a whole podcast around clearing because it, it's uh, uh, the processes around um, uh, applying in the UK are, are certainly worth drilling into, I think. So now let's shift across the pond um, to the USA, uh, a hugely popular destination for many, many international students. How do the deadlines work uh, in the US? Well, the U.S. Um, has 
different deadlines, depending on which category you, you wish to uh, land yourself in. The first one will be November the 1st. That's the application deadline for those who are doing early decision or early action. Now, early decision is where you normally just apply for one single university, the one you're very much committed to going to. And the advantage of doing early decision is that you have a slightly increased chance of being accepted. And early action operates in a similar way. So that would be a November the 1st deadline, although there are some that have a November the 15th deadline. Sorry, is this a centralized process like uh, uh, UCAS ah. that we were just talking about before, or, uh, or is this um, something else? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, the United States has a system called Common App or Common Application, and that is a centralized system. However, not all universities in the USA are members of this Common App. I think it's currently a little over 600, but that okay. still leaves quite a few who are not members of the Common App. And if you want to apply to one of those, you would have to make a direct application to each individual university. So complicated. Um, yes, but it's, it's very manageable, I, I would say. So moving on with the deadlines uh, in the United States, we, we just mentioned the early decision, early action deadlines, uh, which take place uh, beginning of November. And the other major deadline is uh, what they call regular admissions. This will be January the 1st or occasionally the 15th, but let's go with January the 1st. Now, immediately you're thinking, oh, wait a minute, that's during my winter break. Yes, it is. What that means for you as a student is that your counselors and teachers and stuff will actually be away on vacation. So you do have to plan ahead and get all of this done before you go on winter break. Otherwise, right. the whole thing is gonna fall through the cracks. And um, that, of course, is a critical thing because everyone's talking about and thinking about Christmas and going on yeah. holiday, certainly in Europe. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for many uh, uh, schools uh, across the uh, Northern Hemisphere, uh, people, are, people are very much focused around the holiday at that point. Uh, so really you're looking at 15th of December, I guess, as a, as a deadline. Uh, uh, in, in the yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I would certainly recommend you get all this done in the first half of December uh, so you don't run it up to the deadlines. Um, but moving ahead a little bit in the United States, after you've sent in your application, let's say it's January the 1st deadline, you will then have to wait um, until the universities process your application. And universities are obliged to do this by March the 31st. Of course, some of them do it earlier. Now, you then have the month of April to decide which of your offers to accept because May the 1st is candidates reply deadline. And on that day or earlier, you have to commit to a particular university. Now, so, if you uh, have applied for universities outside of the Common App, uh, 600 uh, universities, is it possible to, to, to have two on the run or on the run? Um, yes, I mean, people normally apply to multiple universities, um, either all through the common app or a mixture between common app and non-common app. Um, it doesn't so really there's, matter. There's no limit there on, on, on the number that you could accept theoretically, uh, unlike the UK. Uh, you're going to have to accept one um, uh, on, okay. May, on May the 1st. 
and you're right. going to have to sign some paperwork and pay a deposit, etc., etc. But oh, up until okay. that point in time, you can be holding multiple offers, and you probably will be, uh, depending on how many you've applied to initially. Right. And are these um, offers conditional, like they are in the UK, or...? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And the UK is all about conditional offers, as, as we've just heard. In the United States, they tend to just offer you a place. They may attach them what I would call fairly mild conditions. They will just ask you to maintain your current grade point average. In other words, uh, they, they just want you to continue working normally to the end of school and not just sort of give up and go on vacation or drive your car around to the mall or something like that. Uh, you, you're expected to continue studying, but you would have to have a real disaster in your end of school exams before a US college would come back and look again and right. say, okay, we're going to cancel your offer. Well, so that's a significant difference uh, in terms yes, of the stress is. level and, and pressure that's put on students. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe uh, for an international student who uh, is location agnostic, who doesn't mind where they're going, UK or US, um, uh, you know, you were talking earlier about insurance offers. Well, uh, the US offers that, that level of uh, security that perhaps you don't have uh, in the UK. Yes, indeed. I mean, in the school where I work, uh, a lot of students apply to the United States and the UK and other places. So those who have applied to the United States may well have a, a firm offer of a place, uh, certainly before the winter break. And that's a very nice position for them because they know for sure they're going to college, whereas okay. their classmates who only apply to the UK have to sweat it out until the exam results are published, which is usually in July or even August, depending on which system they're in. Indeed. So that's a, that's a really powerful piece of information. Thank you. So let's move north now, uh, up to the cold, uh, cold area of uh, North America, up to Canada. Um, Canada's becoming increasingly uh, interesting for international students. Um, how does the process work there? Well, Canada um, has a several processes, I would say. I mean, the province of Ontario, for example, has a, a centralized system. Uh -huh. um, but in most cases, you're going to have to make a direct application to a specific university. For example, if you just want to go to University of British Columbia, then you apply directly to them and so on. Now, in terms of deadlines, um, universities set their own deadlines. And you will also find in Canadian universities that very often um, different programs within the same university will have a different application deadline. So what I'm saying to you, the student, is this. You really have to look very carefully um, and make sure that you understand what the deadline is for the program that you're applying to and, of course, the university itself. Now, in yeah. terms of when, when all this happens, the earliest tend to be in December, um, and then they run through until the spring. That's the sort of chunk of time where Canadian universities pitch their, their deadlines. And you were mentioning for the US that uh, the offers tend not to be conditional. What's the situation in Canada? Um, similar, I would say. Um, they, they will certainly have a very close look at the grades on your transcript when you make the application. And then they will offer you a place. Uh, and again, so, so long as your grades don't fall off the edge of a cliff, 
um, you will still be allowed to uh, enroll at the university. Okay. So in Canada, it's very much a, a sort of, um, you know, really zoom in on the university. Don't yeah. take anything for granted. Zoom in on the course that you're applying for uh, and then uh, add that to your timeline um, uh, university for university. Is, is that right in terms of... That's, uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. Mm. right. It's, it's a very mixed picture in Canada. And so you, you really do have to be careful. And again, start early because it has happened in, in the school where I work that the students have only started looking maybe in February. And that's okay for some Canadian universities. But if you are a student doing that and you suddenly notice, oh, there was a really great course, but the applications have closed in January. Terrible. And that's quite disappointing for you. And so I would really urge you to, to do this sort of research and, and make your timeline as we mentioned, preferably when you're still in grade 11, so that when you enter grade 12, you know exactly what you want to apply to and where and what the deadlines are. It will really take a lot of stress off you as a 12th grade student. Yeah, and that's particularly pertinent in Canada. Yeah. Yes, it is, very. So another increasingly popular location for international students is Holland. Um, obviously, for, for Europeans, uh, there's a financial reason in that it's uh, not cheap, uh, not, sorry, not free, but uh, certainly cheap uh, to study in Holland. Um, and the same goes for uh, uh, US students, where it's often uh, a lot uh, less expensive to study in Holland than it is in your own country. Um, how does the application process and deadline process work in, in the Netherlands? Well, it's, it's interesting that, that you started talking about the, the financial incentives of going to study in the Netherlands. Uh, and I'm sure those listening to this will be wondering what the price ticket actually is. So perhaps if I could start there and then move on to deadlines. If you're an EU citizen, you will pay somewhere between 2,200 and 3,500 euros a year. Right. And remember, as in uh, most European countries, it's a three-year program, not a four-year program. Indeed. And if you are not an EU citizen, you'll be paying about 10,000 euros a year. This is tuition fees. Of course, you've got housing costs on top. But 10,000 euros a year still compares favorably with a lot of other locations like UK, US, etc. It does. So that's really the, the sort of the setting the scene, the background of the financial uh, position if you decide. And of course, the, 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 many of the courses are, are purely in English. Um, um, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. you know, Holland has a, has a, a large uh, selection of, of high quality courses at good universities taught, taught solely in English. Is that right? Yes, indeed. In fact, I think I'm pretty on safe ground to say that there's no European country, apart from the UK, obviously, that has more courses that are offered in English than the Netherlands right. does. There's a huge choice. You can study almost everything in the Netherlands in English. Um, and if you want to find out more, just go into a website called studyinholland.nl. <laughs> nice, easy website to remember, studyinholland.nl. And you can quickly run a search for, you know, whatever subject takes your fancy, really. Okay, so let's but, drill into the okay. deadlines. The deadlines, okay. Um, you have to make an application through a piece of software called studylink.nl. Now, this is where you just register yourself 
Uh, it takes about five minutes. And then you click in up to a maximum of four courses that oh, you want four. to apply to. And this software goes live on October the 1st. Now, moving along from that, please don't think when you've done this, you've actually finished the application. Nothing could be further from the truth. Um, StudioLink software talks to the university software. So let's say, for example, you applied to the University of Amsterdam for a course. University of Amsterdam sees that you've listed them. They will send you an email inviting you to create an account on their own university oh. website. And you will do that on each of your four university websites. And then you do some more form filling, up, upload some supporting documents, and then it's done. But to come back to the issue of deadlines, um, yeah, deadlines vary quite a lot. Some are as early as December, not many, but there are. Um, there's some in January, certainly, and it will run through until probably about May the 1st if you're an EU mm. citizen and April the 1st if you are not. And the, right. the reason there is a difference between these two dates for different nationalities is that EU citizens don't need to leave enough time to apply for a visa, whereas non-EU citizens will. And that's what lies behind this sort of apparent discrepancy in deadlines. But there are, however, still a few courses uh, that may have even later deadlines as far into June, possibly. But basically, okay. all the Dutch universities are going to have deadlines between, let's say, December, January time up until May the 1st. So that's really how you have to look at this. So, so let me understand the connection between this central website and the university websites. Um, when, when you get offers, do they come in the central website or do they come in the email or how, do, how does that work? Uh, both actually. Uh, they are listed oh. in, in both places. Uh, usually um, the, the university will create a little portal and upload uh, onto their own website an offer. Some of them also send it by email. A lot do that actually. And it will also appear in this website called StudiLink where you made your original um, application. And is that all in English or is this uh, in, yeah, yeah. in Dutch? So, well, the, the website operates in both languages, but unless you speak Dutch. <laughs> okay. just, right. well, your, your computer default setting is almost certainly going to be English, so it will just take you automatically to the English version. Okay, right. Yeah. So it sounds um, uh, a sort of midway solution in many ways between uh, um, somewhere like Canada and somewhere like the UK. Um, the process in general, is it smooth and efficient or is that? Uh, yes, uh, yes, it is. Um, and the, the way I just described it, it sounds like you have lots of different steps to do. But basically, step one is StudioLink. Step two is to create your account on the university website and do some right. form filling. Step three is to upload supporting documents like motivation letters, photo page of your passport, etc. And they're all listed there quite right. clearly. And then that's it. Once you've done that, the university will process your application and that usually takes about five to six weeks for them to process and then they will come back and make you an offer and it's not going to be a conditional offer in most cases right um, but but what what they will do and you have to watch for this is they will give you a, a restricted amount of time to accept the offer usually about two weeks to confirm and when you say it's not won't be conditional if you're an ib student you will be expected to uh, uh, successfully complete your IB diploma, or even if you miss the grades, uh, will you be accepted? 
uh, no, <laughs> you, right. you actually have you actually have to pass the IB diploma. Right. I mean, we, okay. we, we, we talked just now about the British system where the universities all have different points. Like I gave the example of King's College London, where you've got 35.766. Sure. The Dutch don't go down that route. They will just require you to pass the IB diploma, which right. um, if you're an IB student, you will know that, that means 24 points. Um, okay. There are one, one or two exceptions to this. There are things called university colleges in the Netherlands, um, which are selective and will therefore demand um, a certain uh, grades, grade points, oh. which is usually somewhere in the mid thirties, but they are absolutely exception to the rule. Dutch universities um, will just come in with an offer. Um, and if you've been offered, then you just have to pass the IB diploma. What? So Holland isn't the only location in Europe where uh, uh, EU nationals, indeed nationals of, of other countries, can study. Can you give us a quick overview of the deadlines for the different countries in the EU? Well, up until now, we, we've been focusing on, on specific countries. But I think at this point, we, we, we need to sort of break free from this idea of countries having, you know, more or less uniform deadlines within their own oh. borders, at least and start looking at individual universities because international students applying into countries in Europe, which of course are not English speaking countries, uh, will be applying to a fairly restricted number of universities. And these are the ones that offer courses taught in English. And indeed, there are some very prestigious universities out there, like, for example, Bocconi University in Italy or Asade, the IE University, both in Spain or, or or the Sciences Po in France, Ecole Polytechnique, also in Paris. And there, there are quite a lot of these, St. Gallen in Switzerland. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And, but what you need to do is to just go onto the individual websites and figure out what your application deadline is. Because, because they're scattered across a continent of dozens of different countries, they're going to be, yeah, lots of different deadlines is the answer. Indeed. And I think we need to throw out a warning there that many of these universities you mentioned um, uh, have uh, costs associated that are in the higher category rather than in the, the lower category uh, of fees. Is that is that right? Um, again, it's, it's quite a, a mixed picture, but I mean, we're, no. we're talking here, the ones I've mentioned, or most of them are talking between about 10, 12,000 up to about 20, something in that right. range. But again, every, every single one has a different price tag and a, a different a different deadline, a different application process. So really, sure. if you are interested in one of these universities, just go onto the website and sort of uh, get yourself up to speed on what needs to be done. Um, and finally, let's quickly whiz over to the uh, other side of the world, to Australia. Um, lots of um, international students, especially from Asia, head that way. Um, what, are the, what are the timelines associated with applying to Australian universities? Thank you, Neil, for mentioning Australia, because um, if you're based in Europe or North America, it, it can seem a, a long way off, uh, geographically speaking. But Australia is a big, important country and it has a lot of excellent universities and absolutely worth looking at. The major difference, of course, as you appreciate, is it's a Southern Hemisphere nation. And so their academic year is flipped around, if you like. Their academic year starts in February. 
And what this means is that you're going to be making the applications um, during uh, probably starting around about October and they will have like November or December deadlines. Right. Uh, but again, it's one of these situations where you have to look at each individual university and check okay, out. Okay, so there's no central uh, uh, process like UCAS in the UK. We're looking at um, a picture that is um, like Canada. There, there, there is a central application process in, in Australia, which most universities are signed up to um, for Australian citizens and also for IB uh, students. Um, oh, okay. However, within that, you still have to look carefully at the deadlines for the universities. Okay, so you're looking at something that's probably more akin to Holland then uh, in terms of the way that it's structured. Yeah, I mean, we, we actually started this section talking about the UK and I said, this is the easiest one because it's the most highly centralized one. And sure. then we've sort of looked at different countries and, and how, how they, they really vary from place to place and, and even program to program. So the bottom line is always go and double check. Make sure you know Indeed. exactly what the deadlines are for the university you want to go to. And do this while you're still in grade 11, because if you do it halfway through grade 12, you may already be past a deadline and therefore miss out on an opportunity to go to a, a good university. Yeah, it's, it's um, when you dig into the detail, you can see that uh, there's real complexity there, especially if you're looking at, at different locations um, and potentially uh, uh, different courses. Thank you, Jeremy. So if there's one core message that you were to give uh, students and their families around deadlines, what would it be, Jeremy? That's very simple. Start early. <laughs> make, yourself, make yourself a timeline. Take, take the stress out of the progress, out of the process by really getting to grips with this when you're still in grade 11. And I know that with my son, what we did was we actually uh, created a uh, Google Sheet that was shared yeah. with me as 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 uh, my son's day uh, my son's uh, dad and and um, we were able to to work together on that sheet to to add ideas and courses and then to plot the timeline. Um, we all found that really helpful to have uh, two sets of eyes uh, when we were looking at that. Um, so personally, I'd recommend uh, you know a shared spreadsheet of some description. Uh, that allows for some level of discussion because the detail is difficult and sometimes you can miss things. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think a, an extra pair of eyes on, on all of this is extremely useful. So I, I would urge students really to in, involve their parents in this process. And uh, you've mentioned Google Sheets. Um, it's very easy to share, of course, with multiple people. And it's sometimes the case that a student will be in school in one country and the parents will will be away for work sure. uh, for extended periods of time. So it's not really feasible to sort of sit down after dinner around the table and look at all this stuff. It may well need to be done online. And yeah, so I indeed. think that's a, a, an excellent idea. Great. And what are you going to be doing? I can hear the bells uh, ringing, which is obviously the time for you to go and, <laughs> and uh, get hungry. Uh, uh, Pavlov's dog, sort of the ringing bell. Uh, is that right? Well, <laughs> yeah, more or less. <laughs> um, it's seven o'clock here in Vienna, hence the bells, the church bells. There's a church just over the back of the uh, square. Yeah, it's very nice, actually. Um, nice trees and a fountain and pretty church. Shut up, shut up. 
Oh, sorry. And then just round the corner from the church, there's a little sort of Chinese restaurant that does really good sushi. But today, I'm not doing a cheese sandwich or sushi or any of the things that you think I nourish myself with. <laughs> I have gone out to buy a healthy salad because my wife said I should. She found out I wasn't eating enough salad. So she's sure to ask me this evening what I had to eat. <laughs> so you've had, you're having your healthy salad. Having a healthy a salad, Neil. There it is. Have a lovely yes. evening, Jeremy. Thank you so much uh, for your time today. And I look forward to the next one. My pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us today. This episode was sponsored by Wixbury.com. Wixbury is a month-by-month -month guide to the journey from grade 10 to university. Check it out at Wixbury.com.